All right, well, if you've been hanging out with us at all this Christmas season here at Rio, then you know that we've been doing something a little bit different, and here's what we've been doing that's different. Instead of looking at the traditional Christmas stories this year, we have been looking at Christmas stories, okay, that don't look anything like Christmas stories, but they are, and here's why. They are stories in which the infinite, eternal, invisible God of the universe, who, through a supernatural conception, clothed himself in our humanity and then entered into this world on that first Christmas night that we celebrate tonight, and then grew into a man. There are stories in which that Jesus who grew into a man, standing at the end of his life, standing in the shadow of his cross, looked back upon that first holy night and said, guys, if you want to know why I came into the world, let me clear it up for you. I came into the world, and then he gives us a very particular reason. Story after story, reason after reason, and we've looked at a bunch of them this Christmas season. Tonight, however, we're going to end with this. Jesus came into the world to seek out and to save you if you will but accept his offer. The non-traditional Christmas story that we're going to look at tonight is found in Luke chapter 19, and it involves a man whose name is Zacchaeus. And if you know the story of Zacchaeus, or better yet, if you know his song, the song about his story, then you already know that Zacchaeus was a what? That was pretty good. Yeah, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Now, I want you to picture that from Zacchaeus' perspective, because I don't think he was too excited about that. Imagine the indignity of that. It's an indignity, as I was thinking about it, that maybe I'm not sure that he's escaped yet because we've sent about a hundred years' worth of Christians to heaven who, like me and apparently like a lot of you, grew up singing Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And so in my mind, as I think about Zacchaeus even now, I'm thinking, you know, probably at least once a day he runs into one of us, don't you think? And they're thinking, wait a minute, real little guy named Zacchaeus. It's like, you're the wee little man. And it's heaven, so he just has to take it. (laughs) Otherwise, he'd kick him in the ankle. That's the deal. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. All right, Luke has written this story for us. And he wants us to know something about Zacchaeus, and it's not that he's a real little guy. He wants us to know that he's broken. He wants us to know that he's deformed in some sense. And he wants you, his reader, tonight to know, okay, that you're Zacchaeus in this story. Don't forget that. The story involves a man named Zacchaeus who I'm hoping as you look at him, you begin to recognize someone named you, okay? And it takes place in a city named Jericho. And Jericho in the days of Jesus was a fabulous city, was magnificent. It was referred to as the Eden of Palestine. So you can hear the name Garden of Eden referenced in that, and it was garden-like. It was famous for its balsam groves and for its date palms. It was the rose capital of the Middle East. It was said that as you approached Jericho in those days, if the wind was blowing in the right direction, meaning your direction, you could smell it for miles And unlike Savannah, Georgia, with all the paper mills, that was a good thing, okay? So it was beautiful to the eyes. It was beautiful to the nose. 
It was fragrant and wondrous. It was located about six miles north of the Dead Sea, which is the lowest elevation on the, pla- on the face of the planet, guys, which means that it's unseasonably warm all year long. You don't want to be there in the summer. You do, however, want to be there in the winter. And it became sort of like the winter vacation spot or second home spot for the rich and famous in Jesus' day. So Herod the Great built a palace or uh, built a theater there. Archelaus built a palace there. Mark Antony gave this city of Jericho. Jericho to Cleopatra as a gift. It's pretty amazing. It was also a commercial center. It was located on one of the largest trade routes in all of Palestine. And when Rome came in and they took Palestine and divided it up into taxing districts, they made Jericho one of the three primary taxing districts in Palestine. And that, believe it or not, is actually really important to our story. But my point is that when Luke tells us in Luke 19, beginning in verse 1, that Jesus entered into Jericho, he's calling to mind all of these images, this city that's beautiful, that's fragrant, that's wealthy, that's highly cultured, that's vibrant. It's awesome. And let me tell you what else was unique about Jericho. Its streets were lined with sycamore fig trees for reasons related to beauty, for reasons probably mostly related to shade, but then also sustenance. It gave figs. Its streets were lined with sycamore fig trees. And in fact, I was in Jericho with Matt just a month ago and some of you, and we drove through the town and we were going on one of its main streets and pulled over to look at a giant sycamore fig tree. But in the episode that we're talking about here, not only was it lined with fig trees, it was lined with people because the deal is that as Jesus and all the pilgrims ahead of him were coming up through Jericho to head on up to Jerusalem, word made it to the people of Jericho that Jesus was coming and he wasn't too far behind. And so the schools emptied out and the businesses emptied out and the people came out of their houses and whatnot because they want to get a glimpse of Jesus as he's going by, including, incidentally, this man named Zacchaeus. And so Luke says that Jesus entered Jericho, and then he says that he was just passing through. Guys, he was not planning to stop. He was certainly not planning to spend the night until he met this guy that, and maybe you haven't seen it yet, looks just like you. Looks just like me. Luke says there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was deformed, guys, but not just in body. He was deformed in soul, and we know that because Luke then describes him. He says Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. That tells us a lot. Again, Rome comes in, they rape, they pillage, they plunder a place. Then, having conquered it and taken all kinds of stuff already, they set up their taxing districts, and then they take their taxing districts and they auction them at a public auction, and they auction them off to the local people. Now, why do they do that? It's brilliant, because the local people all know each other. They know where all the money is, and that's the point of taxing. But practically speaking, what that means is that one of your own countrymen Some guy you went to school with, somebody you played ball with, maybe somebody you do business with, oh heavens, maybe even somebody in your family pays money to the Romans, your dreaded and hated enemies, for the privilege of then helping the Romans, your dreaded and hated enemies, take more from you than they've already taken. So you love that guy, don't you? 
When Luke comes to us and says that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, he says he's the top dog. The guy that won the auction, yeah, that would be him. Oh, and he was rich. Now, what does that tell you? That tells you that he took way more than he needed just to pay the Romans because that too is the way it works. See, you won the auction and the Romans said, hooray, you won. Okay, now, Mr. Tax Collector, here are our soldiers and here's the deal. You need to pay us X number of dollars from your taxing district each year until we do a census and we'll recalculate then. But every year until then, you pay us X number of dollars every year, but you can collect as much as you want. So if it's $100 million to Rome and you want to collect 120, knock yourself out. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and a thief, an extortioner. And as a result, Zacchaeus was hated by his countrymen. As a result, Zacchaeus was barred from the temple of God as being unclean. As a result, Zacchaeus was literally labeled and then referred to as being a sinner. It was like a whole special class of people. And yet Luke tells us in verse 3 that Zacchaeus, of all people, was seeking to see who Jesus was. And it doesn't say why, but I think I know why. Because Jesus is a friend of sinners, guys. Jesus hangs out with sinners. Jesus had a tax collector as one of his 12 disciples. Zacchaeus probably thought, well, you know... Maybe there's even hope for me. Zacchaeus, it says, was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd that had already gathered in the main street to get a look at Jesus, he could not see Jesus, and not simply because he was small of stature. Because look, if he was standing in front of you, it's not like he would block your view, is it? It's because they wouldn't let him through. That's the problem. And so then Zacchaeus, this man that we're all supposed to be identifying with, did something utterly undignified for a Middle Eastern man. If you understand the culture, you begin to understand how big a no-no it is that this guy does this. He reaches down, he grabs his robes, that's what he would have been wearing, and he ties them off at his thigh. Now he does that to free his legs up, because as we're going to see, he runs and then climbs up a tree. Two more ridiculous things for a guy of Middle Eastern descent to do. But he also bears his legs to do it. There's a nakedness involved here. He's exposed in a way that in that culture you just wouldn't do. And so he grabs his robes, he ties them off, and then he runs. No Middle Eastern man is dignified, would run. His dignity's gone. He does not care. He ran ahead of Jesus, and he climbed up into one of those sycamore trees alongside the road so that he could see Jesus, for Jesus was about to pass that way. And you've got to pause in the story and say, okay, wait a minute. What in doing that has Zacchaeus just confessed to be true to himself, to the crowd, but most significantly and importantly to Jesus. What is he saying by tying it off and bearing his legs and climbing the tree and running and all that stuff? He's saying, Lord, I'm a tax collector. In case you didn't know this, uh, sinner. He's saying, in effect, the way that I have conducted myself in life has left me In my case, Zacchaeus is saying, literally up a tree, a tree that is emblematic of, well, the way that I've lived my life, of my deformed soul, of my sin, of my shame, of of my guilt. 
And here I am, naked and exposed, before God and this crowd that's ridiculing and hating on me and, you know, despises me as a criminal, Luke says. So Zacchaeus gathered up his robes, he bared his legs, he ran ahead of Jesus, and he climbed up into the tree to see Jesus, for Jesus was about to pass that way. And now I want you to notice what Jesus does, because he doesn't just do this for Zacchaeus. He does it for everybody who realizes, hey, you know, I, I think that guy looks familiar, He looks like me. It says, and when Jesus came to the place of this tree, he looked up and he saw Zacchaeus in the tree and he said to him, Zacchaeus, which had to blow his mind for two reasons. Number one, how does Jesus know his name? He's God, is he not? Does he not know your name? Secondly, the name Zacchaeus means righteous one. It means pure one. So if you think about it, here is God Himself in the flesh. Come into the world walking around, seeing Zacchaeus of all people there in his tree of sin, guilt, and shame, exposed, quite literally. And He is calling him righteous. He calls him pure, and that's not all. For Jesus then said to him, well, hurry up and come down out of your tree, he says, for I've just changed my plans. I was just going to pass through. I certainly wasn't going to stop. But I must now, he says, stay at your house today. And so Zacchaeus, look what he does. He hurried and he came down and he received Jesus joyfully. But that's not the response of the crowd, guys. They are blown away. They can't imagine it, again, culturally speaking, to share a meal, much less to be the guest in the home of another person, was to publicly identify with that person. It was to say, that person and me, okay, we're like one. And so practically speaking, from the perspective of this crowd, for Jesus to volunteer to go stay at Zacchaeus' home was for Jesus to voluntarily take upon himself the defilement of Zacchaeus. It was for Jesus to be tainted with his deformity with his sin. It's really something. I mean, if you think about it, good grief, Jesus might as well just got up in the tree and replaced him. Hang on to that. So Zacchaeus hurried and came down, and he received Jesus joyfully. But when the crowd saw it, here we go, they all grumbled and said, Jesus has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a, here it is, sinner. And look what happens at the home of this sinner. Startling. Jesus is there at the home, and it says, and Zacchaeus stood up. And in his day, to stand is to take a legal posture. He is, in effect, saying physically, I am going to make a statement that is legally binding upon me. And notice what the statement is. He stands up, and he said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. So there goes half of his net worth. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I think we've covered that part, haven't we? Pretty sure we've been clear so far on that. Certainly the crowd was not, you know, ambiguous about whether that had occurred. If I have defrauded anyone of anything, okay, here's the deal. I hereby restore it fourfold. Meanwhile, the law of Moses would have required him to restore it and then add 20% only. And I want you to notice Jesus' response. It's curious. Jesus said to him, whoa, Zacchaeus, sit down, man. What are you doing? I, like, 
look, I realize that you're flattered in everything that I'm here, but I think you're getting a little too caught up in the enthusiasm. Bud, did you hear what you just said? Tell you what, let's just all pretend that we did not hear you say that. Why don't you think about it? Sleep on it tonight. Let's get back together at breakfast and we'll see if we can work something out that maybe is a little bit more reasonable because I think you're going overboard here. That's not what he says. He speaks of salvation. It's fascinating. And he says... To Zacchaeus and everybody there, he says, today salvation has come to this house since Zacchaeus also is a son of Abraham. And you're like, Tom, you know what? It's Christmas Eve. Can you just cut to the chase? What does that mean? I mean, is Jesus saying that this guy just bought his way into heaven because he gave away half of his stuff to the poor and then he made fourfold restitution to all of the people that he wronged? No, no, no. Far from it. Jesus is saying because this man is saved, he is now doing this. What the Lord is doing is simply blessing the radical change in this guy's life. He's saying, hey, you know what? Real faith produces a real change in your real life. And Jesus sees it in this man who had been a taker and for the sake of what he was able to gain, gave everything away. Did he not? He changes from being a taker to a giver. From a worshiper of, in his case, money, which he had sold everything else for, to somebody who gives it all away in light of the true treasure who is Jesus. It's fascinating. Jesus says to this man, Today salvation has come to this house, since Zacchaeus also is a son of Abraham. Since Zacchaeus also is a son of God. And then here's what makes this a Christmas story. Jesus then says this. He says, for the Son of Man came. Jesus is saying, okay, here's why I came on that very first Christmas. To seek and to save the lost. You're like, who is that? It's everyone who, like Zacchaeus, understands and confesses that they are in at least some sense deformed. Broken misshapen, not quite right, that they're a tax collector and sinner in here. And who likes Zacchaeus also wake up to the fact that they have lived their lives in such a way as to effectively, you know, I mean, put them up in a tree of, of sin and of guilt and of shame. And, you know, maybe not everyone in town knows it, but probably more people than they realize know it. And certainly, at least, they know it. And if they're willing to confess it to Jesus, he already knows your name, so I'm guessing he's in on this too. And then confess as well that Jesus is the only answer. (laughs) He's the only way out of the tree. He can rescue you from the tree, and here's how. He comes to you and me in the midst of our tree of sin and guilt and shame, and he so identifies himself with us that he effectively takes upon himself our brokenness. And then he takes us, takes our place on a tree that we really deserved. And not alongside a road in Jericho or in Fort Lauderdale, but in Jerusalem, guys, where he hung naked and exposed toward, to God and to a whole crowd of people who just like this crowd around Zacchaeus did what? Rejected him, ridiculed him, called him a thief and a liar. He took our place on that tree so that through faith in Him, we could be forgiven of our sins and our deformities could be healed. And here's what else. 
so that we could get a new name. And you know what the name is? It's awesome. It's a great name. It's Zacchaeus. It means righteous one. It means pure one. For he makes us pure. So, there's your non-traditional Christmas story. The point of which is simply this. It is that Jesus came into the world on the Christmas that we celebrate tonight to seek out and to save you if only but you would respond to his offer. Let's pray. Father, we do praise you tonight as we've sung that we have a Savior. Lord, that we are no longer lost because he has come down for us. Lord, we lift those words to you and we thank you for them. Father, we pray that, that we might see and savor Jesus this night. In the moment of calm before we re-enter into the storm of this season. And I pray, God, that you would give us a clear picture of ourselves and that we would see that, you know what? We may be a little taller than Zacchaeus, but there's not all that much that differentiates us. In fact, every one of us has a brokenness within us. Every one of us is deformed in some way, shape, or form. Every one of us has put ourselves up in a tree. And oh, that we might be called out of the tree by Christ, who took our place on a tree and gave his life that he might wash away our sins and call us righteous and pure. God, I pray this night that we would confess our need for him and receive him joyfully as did Zacchaeus and know that indeed today salvation has come to our homes as well. We pray these things for Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.